There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today, I would like to talk about flowers. 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 Ah, yes, flowers. Have in. you received flowers as a gent? I have. Not from, I don't think ever from romantic uh, endeavours. Right. Only from uh, performing. I oh, bought you flowers oh, bless, of for course. performing. Yes. However, I think, I don't, I don't believe if I've ever received flowers in a romantic gesture. Look, that hurts my heart a little bit. And, mm. like, you mm. would expect. Mm. Like, <laughs> Tom's like, yes, yeah. yes, tell me about <laughs> tell it. Tell me about it. <laughs> so I, I spoke to a mate today who's just started dating a lovely new lass. And right. in her, I don't know how old she is, I didn't ask because it's not polite, mm. but I'm assuming based on his age, late 20s, early 30s, he bought her flowers. Ah. And she's like, oh, my goodness, no one has ever bought me flowers before. Interesting. Like, as a guy, I can sort of understand if at some point you, you've never been bought romantic flowers because it's it's fairly gendered. I don't love that it's gendered. No, I've I, bought men flowers I, before. I would agree. It's uh, it's generally women receiving flowers from men. But However, you get to the late 20s, early 30s, and no one's ever bought you flowers. That seems like a major oversight for a lady. I, I was shocked. He was shocked that no one had ever bought her flowers as well. Wow. So what is it, is it assuming that, oh, she's had flowers bought for her before? So well, gonna... I think that people think that it's cliche, uh, right? And I think it's only cliche if you buy them on Valentine's Day. Yep. Any other day. Like I've had wonderful times where, um, you know, girlfriends bought me flowers to congratulate me on something or romantic partners have bought me flowers just for romance. Mm. Um, I've even had flowers turn up completely anonymously that to this day I still don't know who they were from. Gee it was whiz. just a beautiful note that said that it was nice to be reminded that friends care about you sometimes and it just... Aww. I think people need to send either flowers or small potted plants if you don't want something that's going to perish. I uh, I agree. But I, I think, think we should normalise the genderless flower giving. Yes, like- yes please. Um, I am proof and evident of that. Um, I like flowers as a, if you... Uh, for no no excuse, no reason. Yeah, the, spontaneous the flowers spontaneous are the best. Flowers, Just the, yes. I was thinking of you, here's some pretty things that may die soon. Yes, but- <laughs> you'll get a week out of them. But it's just a lovely gesture. Anyway, I'm Liz Best. I'm Tom Harris. And this is Ghosts of Boyfriends Past. I was just, I just shocked me the other day when I was talking to my friend about people who get to their 30s and have never had flowers bought for them. So anyone, everyone go out, give some local florists some business and buy friends, lovers, anyone flowers just because. That's right, I do think. it. 
I, I, I agree. It's a, it's a very worthy campaign to be, to be on board with, Elizabeth. So this is one of our main episodes, which means we have a guest. And it's a returning guest yes, this indeed. week. But he is not in Brisbane anymore, so we don't actually have him with us. We've got him zooming in from Mount Isa. It's Tully. Woo, hello, hello. 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 Welcome uh, back, Tully. It's a pleasure to be back here, not in the studio. <laughs> well, look, we wish you were in the studio with us, but it's lovely to have you back in any way that you can come back to us. Now, we'll put the link to Tully's original episode in the show notes if you haven't binged back, but it was pretty early on in the Ghosts uh that's right. And long, uh, long-term readers of our little show will remember that Tully did an interesting thing. In his first appearance on the show, he came forward as kind of the bad guy, he, right? Yeah, he look, put his hand up and said, I fucked him in my, up in my past. It's an interesting political manoeuvre to, to sort of front the press and beat the sto- <laughs> get ahead of the story. And then now everyone's like, okay, he did the good thing. And then you come back on your second attempt and everyone wants to vote you in. Yes, where it's, exactly. a, it's a smart move, Tully. And I also, I also think uh, that you gave me perhaps the best podcast title of any episode of any podcast I've been on. Would you like um, to remind our listeners of what that was? <laughs> yeah, I got the, the lovely pleasure of having my episode called Tully and the Magic Penis. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. welcome. Yes, you're welcome. You're so welcome. Thank you. Now, you've got a story to tell us today. I do. And um, where are we situating this story? When are we situating this story? So I'm going to jump back and forth a little bit because bits and pieces of this do appear over various parts of my life. Um, it starts as early as uh, the end of high school and it the most recent occurrence is probably about a year ago. Ah, so a saga that's dipped in and out of your life for the past X amount of years, 10 plus years maybe, I don't know. Yes. Wow, okay. Um, um, so before we jump into of- it, we do have rules we on this here podcast, and I know Tully's heard them before, but readers upon reader upon reader are flocking to the show, I assume, <laughs> in ever-expanding numbers, and they need to know the rules, Elizabeth. We they have th- We have three generally on this podcast. Um, the first is, uh, no doxing, don't be a dickhead. If you figure out who Tully's talking about in this story or orbiting satellites in it, uh, don't get on uh, on the socials and, ru- and ruin it for the rest of us, please. Yes. Um, privacy is a is a, a key issue for We a do our best to, mm-hmm. to hide those things. And that's our other rule is please use fake names for anybody who could be identified. Yes. And if you need to fudge some occupations and whatever to completely mask it, feel free to do so as well. And um, no threats on on microphone is yeah, our third little rule. It's my least favourite rule. <laughs> yes, but the lawyers do have a word with us. So, um, yes. so there we go. A little bit of preamble. Uh, we can hand it over to you now, Tully, I suppose, if you want to take Excellent. us away and, and get us started. Um, and I might actually just open up with a little bit of a... Um, what maybe disclaimer is the best word for it because the person I'm talking about has actually heard my first episode. Oh, Yes. Uh, so the first thing I need to say is, uh, sorry, I've not given you the name that you requested uh, for <laughs> if you ever appeared on this show, um, because I happen to have a colleague by that name. Oh, uh, yeah, that would be awkward if you're... Mm, yeah. 
Cool. So I've given you a different name. I hope you approve because uh, you very much didn't like the name I gave the last ex. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've had someone come on and say that their name was Gladys, which I think was probably, I mean, no shade on New South Wales in uh, in Australia, but uh, so far that's my candidate for worst fake name. That's that's very fair. Yeah. That's very fair. Yeah. Well, the, the name I'm using uh, today is Eleanor. Oh, that's fine. I like that name. Yeah. Um. The second thing I need to say is if you are listening, Eleanor, um, perhaps don't listen to this one while you're at work or uh, <laughs> while you don't have time to process this. Um, Bit because of a... at the time that this was <laughs> happening and at the time that we've talked about this since, um, you were not in the space to hear what I had to say in its entirety. So while, you know, if you would like to listen, please do. I'm sure there's some lessons learned. Uh, and if you want to come on later and sledge me in a following episode, please That's do. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, if you, if you hear a few things and, you, and, you, and you're not happy about it, uh, feel free to a come. Of, You've a got a right of, of reply on this podcast. So absolutely. absolutely. 99% of our readers are rubbing their hands in glee <laughs> and delight at this. And then poor Eleanor. <laughs> poor Eleanor. Addy, is Addy's Eleanor. To write a reply already. There we go. <laughs> Very good. All right. Good disclaimers. Let's go on to the story. Excellent. So this relationship started uh, when I was 17. It started when I was in high school and we met online. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were a fair way away. Uh, We lived about three hours drive from each other. So it started as a long distance relationship. And very quickly, it got to the stage of us talking every night, uh, way later than we should be. Ooh, for uh, 17, how scandalous. Mm, I know. I, I needed to be uh, in bed uh, or finishing assignments and I was, I was too busy talking to this uh, <sighs> to this new girl of mine. Um, so eventually we met up. Uh, her parents drove her all the way up to my uh, where I was living and <laughs> we, um, we met and we went for a walk and we took far too long on the walk because we stopped for um <laughs> stopped to enjoy the scenery uh-huh. sure Indeed. yep mm-hmm. and then the next time I went down to see her and this sort of continued on throughout my senior year of high school and it was sickening it was a sickeningly <laughs> cute relationship from the outside yeah I'm already feeling a little bit of coming on yeah yeah absolutely um so we were young and naive and we hear a lot of uh, talk of love bombing on this show. We were both guilty of that. Yeah. Um, first serious long-term relationships. Uh, and You just think that you can fly when you're in those relationships, don't you? You just like everything is just so heightened because not only are you like in love, but you're teenagers and everything's heightened and more dramatic when you're a teenager, and isn't it? Exactly. And everything's f- enormous when you're a teenager. <laughs> And oh, when I you're don't know team, about that. And you're experiencing everything for the first yes. time. So it's, yes. Jesus, this is love. This and is great. And you've still got the optimism, that wide-eyed optimism yes, of this, right. is, this is it. I've found it already. It's I 17. I, I found it. True love. This is this is the one. Yep. Um, and so this is where some of the, I guess, uh, yeah, love bombing or some of the toxic habits started to, to jump in right from the get-go. So... This is where, because we were long distance, we couldn't be together a lot. Uh, we would do cute little things like uh, 
draw on each other, draw on ourselves with Sharpie, you know, a little love heart with each other's initials on it. Um, or we would, you know, do sickeningly sweet things like there was an anecdote that I remember she talked about that caught on. And so every time we saw each other, uh, I would propose to her and she'd say no, uh, which was sickeningly cute and in hindsight, very dumb. Look, <laughs> honestly, I would put that in. I would watch that movie. Like, <laughs> I, I that's a that's adorable and gross, and I love this it. This is a hallmark rom com yes, idea. Absolutely, lifetime movie of the week. Um, and so one of the things that I noticed right up the top was uh, a lot of my lighter coloured clothes were starting to get ruined by red and black sharpie <laughs> that I'd drawn uh, these little love hearts on myself with and it got to the point where I had to stop doing it because it was just ruining my clothes unfortunately the practicalities of it didn't seem to come through and I remember feeling very guilty when I told her that I wasn't doing this anymore because she took this as a sign that I was pulling away you bastard Mm. I know. I How know. dare you want pristine clothes? <laughs> so. Oh, no. And, and, you know, young love, everything's huge. Every little bump is a mountain. Every little hurdle is, you know, a, t- a tall building you've got to leap. Um, and we, we got through this. Um, but one of the things that she gave me the next time we got together was a set of dog tags with a line from a John Green novel uh, oh. and our like our details on each one. So I had yeah. this little necklace of dog tags. Cute. Um, which is very cute, except that I have no object permits. Absolutely none <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> right. And so very frequently would forget to wear these because it just, it wouldn't occur to me while I was getting ready uh, to go and you know, put these on. And while I could draw a little love heart on myself out in public, I couldn't suddenly find my dog tags. Yes. yes. And I remember hiding that I didn't have them if I didn't have them while we were talking oh. or feeling guilty for not having them on. And this is starting to get to a lot of the tone of what happened throughout our relationship was very much this idea of feeling guilty for things that I have done or not done um, and feeling like I needed to be perfect, feeling like I had to have everything absolutely set out as they went. Right. So, um, Tully, were you, would you catch yourself yeah, with these dog tags e- example? Would you realise that you hadn't put them on when you're with her and then you start flailing yourself for not caring for putting them on? Is that what I'm understanding? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, so this was starting to show up that you know, I was feeling a little bit, I guess, pressured isn't necessarily the, r- the right word, but um, obligated mm. to do these things. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, and- like when you're younger as well, like it sounds like she's doing a lot of reading between lines that aren't actually there you know and and those things those little gestures like I remember you know having relationships with person where like I would text them and if they didn't text me back that night I was like well obviously they're either out with someone else or they don't care anymore because you don't have a relationship history of realizing that other people 
have lives and are forgetful and have flaws. So you're living up to this standard of perfection that doesn't exist in regular humans. Absolutely. And especially for uh, people who are very well versed in sort of the rom-coms, the John Green books, the young adult idea of this perfect love with all sorts of fun and quirky metaphors that are unique to you because Mm. we're all um, a lot more unique than perhaps we are. (laughs) Um, So this has started to happen, but things are going well. We're very much young and in love and really enjoying each other's company. And at this point, we've both graduated high school. So I'm moving down to Brisbane to start my university degree. And she's starting her university degree and decides to go to a university that is both uh, where she was living and in Brisbane. So so you're going to be in the same orbit. We're going to be in the same orbit, which right. is incredible. Like Absolutely after all amazing. that long distance, you're like, wow, like suddenly we're in the same place at the same, this is our time, right? Stars are aligning. It's the all stars good. are aligning and this is meant to be. Mm-hmm. Of course. Fated. Fate. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So I moved down to Brisbane. Uh, this is my first time living out of home. It's her first time living out of home. And we're both starting to study for the first time, starting to work to support ourselves for the first time. And it is a lot. Mm. It's, it's a whole lot. And we, it very quickly becomes apparent that we are becoming codependent yeah. uh, to mm. everyone but us. When you when you first started being so close to each other, did you keep up doing all those little romantic gestures or did you feel pressure to, to be that romantic on a daily basis? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. How did that and, make you feel? Um, it felt a little bit claustrophobic. Yeah. But this was something that I felt like at the time that I couldn't voice. I couldn't say that because that would be in some way hurting her feelings. And yeah, so of course. typically in these young relationships, you haven't learned to communicate properly. Mm. And so you don't set up those needs and those boundaries that you've had. And couple that with both of you moving to a new town, both of you starting brand new, like university is a brand new thing. You're getting new jobs. So it's just, just piling on this extra stress and worry. Yes. I There's all these pressures, all these life changes. Mm. And so we very much latched onto each other, um, very much became this codependent relationship that everyone recognized except us. Um, we were sickeningly cute in that, you know, I would go to uni and she would come to meet me on campus and she'd sit on my lap and we'd make out in the middle of the common room. Gross. And everyone really uncomfortable. Gross. No, and you were the people I hated. I hated. And I started to realize that it was making my friends uncomfortable. Yeah. (laughs) But I tried to voice this and the moment I started to voice it, she started to feel as if I was hiding her and I had to backpedal. Oh, no. And so this became the start of me trying to almost separate my lives Oh, that compartmentalization is, is yep. not healthy. Gonna, Which is moving. terrible. Yes. Um, it's really not a healthy habit to get no. into. Um, but I didn't feel like I could communicate these sort of concerns that I had. Yeah. Um, and so we, I was living with a housemate and the housemate started to get a bit sick of it. We went to uni together as well. And 
he had actually set up a rule uh, in response to us that said that she could stay over no more than two times a week. Right. No more than two nights a week. Right. Which, in hindsight, is very reasonable. Oh, yeah. Like, when you're living with a flatmate, having a relationship is actually quite difficult in terms of figuring out whose house you go to when and you don't want to piss off the other person who's paying rent, especially when the person you're dating is not paying rent and using all your water and electricity and ruining your sleep, you know. (laughs) You know, all of that. And he actually had a girlfriend at the time as well who, you know, he'd actually... he'd actually put these boundaries on himself as well. Fair. Um, and we thought that was, you know, just because he didn't like her and... Right. Oh, you know. no. Yeah. But in in hindsight, uh, I'm very sorry to my first housemate. <laughs> you put through... You put up with a lot of things. <laughs> um, sincerest apologies. Um, and they're, I believe, still together. Um that couple. Oh, oh nice. Healthy boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> so we'd set that up and he'd set up those rules and we had to follow them. Yes. Around about this time, she actually got herself a flat uh, up in Brisbane, um, a street away from me. Oh, oh, okay. Handy yep. question mark. Now, I'm not sure how much of a hand she had in this particular decision because her parents were helping her find it, helping her pay mm. for it, that sort of stuff. So I'm not entirely certain how much of this was her choosing this and how much of it was pure chance. Right. But I can't imagine it was 100% chance. No, mm, the, yes. the statistical odds of finding somewhere, not only in your suburb, but a street away from you are pretty yeah, slim. Yeah, the, the detective in me is uh, raising an eyebrow <laughs> and I would be hauling you both in for further questioning. This isn't a coincidence. Yeah. Yes. And so because of these rules that have been put on us, I started spending just about every night at her place, mm-hmm. which was this tiny little... Um, I would call it maybe a dormitory room. Oh. It had space for a bed and a desk. And then the kitchen was shared. The bathrooms were shared. It was, yeah. Oh, wow. It was like living on res at uni. No, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it sounds like living on res. Yeah. And it was incredibly cramped. It was incredibly claustrophobic. But I did this because you know, we didn't want to be apart from each other. Or yeah. We- couldn't be apart from each other. You were enmeshed. Mm-hmm. Uh, thoroughly codependent. Mm-hmm. And so at this time, when you're kind of spending most of your time just you and her alone, are you still happy to be participating mm. in these, I guess, overt romantic cliche yes. gestures <laughs> or has it settled down to a bit more normal life yet or...? This is where the cracks begin to show in this relationship right? because, or at least from my perspective, they started to show was I was realizing that I needed something a little calmer and I needed a little more space to myself, Mm. but I couldn't articulate that. And when you're, Uh, when you're in like physical close quarters, mm. as well as like, you feel like you need more mental space when you spend time in close physical quarters as well. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, it, it okay. just it became a point where I would, and this is actually I'm going to jump forward a little bit. I started 
ignoring calls. I started putting my phone on silent and leaving it be or pretending that it had run out of battery because I needed that space away from her. But yeah. of course, that's quite toxic behavior that came from me not feeling like I could articulate that I needed that. Yeah. And from her perspective, you go from answering calls all the time and and, and replying to messages and all that to suddenly to... Oh, God, as a first-year uni student, I would have freaked the fuck out. I absolutely would have been convinced you were seeing somebody else. Yeah, and it became this sort of... Because I was ignoring calls and because I was turning my phone off or, you know, running out of battery and stuff like that, she was trying to latch on even harder. And because yeah. she was trying to latch on even harder, I was trying to mm-hmm. give myself even more space. Um, and this kind of set up what the rest of the relationship would feel like. Um, there were points where, and this may be a little bit too much information for some people, it won't revolve much around sex throughout a lot of this, but there were points where we would be having sex. I felt like I couldn't, say no and so I would be falling asleep and did fall asleep a, a number of times because I was so exhausted but I couldn't articulate that oh, I didn't want this at that point. That's rough man. Yeah it was it was quite difficult and it felt like I was the bad guy. Yeah. And were you dealing with feelings of I'm a man therefore I have to want this I have to want this sex right like Absolutely. I should, yeah I'm a I'm a man and I have se- this is what I want in life right so I and you you're bullying yourself on that uh, on that angle as well I I would guess yeah um and I guess I the communication that comes with this actually I wasn't going to talk about our first time together but I actually think it does show a little bit about our relationship. Sure. Happened um, initially when we got together, um, she was set that she was going to wait until marriage. And I was happy to see that through. Um, My way of rationalizing with that was that if I wasn't willing to wait for that, then I was in it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Which I've now sort of dealt with how that, was rationalized but i was happy to wait yeah and then on her 18th birthday um because i'm something like three weeks older than her Uh um on her 18th birthday we had went out had a good night had some drinks uh and went back to my place and then the things started to get hot and heavy and as we were uh, what's a good way of not grossing out all of the listeners as I gross this? out like gross honestly out. As, yep. as we were um, splashing around in the shallow end mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that's a decent way not to gross people out the producer Zane is going is it <laughs> yes well, continue splashing uh, around in the shallow end <laughs> yeah as we're splashing around in the shallow end things start to get deeper and I ask uh, are you sure And she said, yes. No, she had not communicated to me at any point that she had changed her mind on any of this. Right. But our entire first time together was pretty much characterized by me wondering when, you know, when this became too much and when it was, you know, we're having sex as opposed to just foreplay. Yeah. Mm. To the point where we finished up and we had sex for the first time and I still wasn't entirely certain that that was what was intended. Oh, that's such a tough one because mm. you had 
consent, obviously, while it was happening and obviously, you know, enthusiastic consent. Otherwise, you would have been like, okay, enough. Um, But having had the conversation earlier that contradicted that, it's such a a difficult line. Yeah, I understand that. Exactly. Yeah. So... Oh God! I get this whole episode is just like how important is communication? Yes, isn't like it? it's yeah. the theme of the episode is oh my God! It's so important. And so that's that's jumping back a little bit and then yeah, jumping so forward. Jumping forward oh. into the you know falling asleep. <laughs> yeah. And so. And of course, she would be reading into this that it means something like I like you do need the space but she would potentially be reading into this completely differently right absolutely absolutely and this really came to a head at a point probably about a year into us dating mm-hmm. this is most of the way through my first year, our first year of uni and I'm doing a performance degree. I'm doing a, a music degree. So I have to be up early for rehearsals. I've got to be there on time. And by on time, I mean early. Mm. Uh, and there came a point where, you know, I would get up and I would start to get ready. And then she would, in what I'm sure she thought was a playful manner, she'd sort of uh, throw me back onto the bed and sit on my lap and, you know, refuse to let me go to rehearsal. Which is cute when you don't actually have an important, important thing you need to be at. But this became very much, uh, to me, feeling like I was trapped. It's and a to test. the point where, you know, she would she would tickle me, and I'm quite ticklish. Um, she would tickle me to keep me down. And it felt very much like I was being physically restrained. Yeah, with a, it's just a joke. This is just, we're having fun now. If you can't feel like you're able to express yourself, that would be incredibly restrictive. Yeah. And so she started to see that I was getting really irate at this, which, you know, for this being just a playful thing, seems like I'm getting really short with her. And so she starts trying to organize things like I'd never been really uh, drunk before. I sort of didn't drink that much. Yeah. And so she wanted to see how I was drunk. And so we'd, organized a night and got some bottles of cheap white wine and she got me to drink through them but I started to feel a little ill and didn't want to keep going and she pressured me to continue to the point where I could not drink uh Sat Blanc for I think about two and a half years oh gosh um it was just so I felt so out of control yeah to the point where I met up with my parents and they first started to really see that I was feeling the pressure on this one in that I threw my phone down on the table and just put my head in my hands because I had sort of 20 messages and three missed calls between the time I left home and had got to them. Mm. Um, she tried to cook lunch for me, except she hadn't told me that she was planning that. And so I went and got lunch with some friends from uni before I went yeah. home and then got the third degree because I hadn't told her that I was going to grab lunch with my friends. And this all came to a head. I felt like I was not, I felt felt like this relationship couldn't last. Yeah. And so I, I tried to break up with her and she very, very reasonably said that she hadn't heard any of these sort of issues before. And so asked for another chance, like for a little bit of time for us to, work through it 
Yeah, which I I think is, uh, from her perspective, I I think that's fair because if you if you, because as much as what she is doing is is very clingy and codependent, if you if you consider the lack of communication that's been had on both sides, it seems like quite a reasonable kind of oh now that I'm aware of these things, let's give it a go question mark. Yeah, exactly, and I very reasonably. I think said yes, of yeah. course. You know, yeah. now that I've told you about these things, we can work through them. And for about a month or so, we tried to do this, and I really wasn't feeling like much was changing. Yeah, I really wasn't feeling like a lot of this had changed. And Those... I'm not sure how much of that was I hadn't communicated these things properly, or if she was just in the same habits. It's I, I would I would hazard a guess that it could be you know like when when you are put in a panic response it's the fight or flight right and so mm. once she's now heard that there is trouble she's now treading even more water to try and keep it and then those patterns of panic and the way that she reacts to panic would be kicking back in which is exactly keep him keep him keep him because it goes against every fiber of your being when somebody tells you that your relationship is in trouble like to leave like I I, I've been guilty of this, I'm going to say. I've had a, an ex-partner when we got to a really rocky part. The rocky part was his fault. The part that was my fault was when he said, I need space, and I kept calling and texting and calling. And yeah, he's like, right. for fuck's sake, I'm out at a gala right now, mm. and you have not given me the space I have asked for. It's yeah. really hard. Your brain goes crazy, I'm telling you. Like, I felt unhinged because I thought I was losing them. Absolutely. And... So it became this very typical, she would pull me closer and hold on as tightly as she could and I would pull away even more. Yeah. And so about a month goes by and I try to break up with her again because it's just not working. It's not doing the things. Yeah, you're still being chased rather than just giving you space. And she felt like I hadn't given her the time to sort of, to prove that things could be better. Right. And at this point, uh, I had done something thoroughly unreasonable before um, Before this because I was scared. I had moved the things from her place into a suitcase because right. I thought I would have to pack it up. And she took that as me being irrational and being sort of taking her as villainizing her as as if she was going to do something unreasonable when we broke up and so i remember staying out in the streets of inner city brisbane until i think it would have been about 3 30 or 4 in the morning oh, this honey. had happened about like nine o'clock in the evening and we were talking or arguing or going over this for so many hours until i was starting to actually get delirious because I was so tired. Um, and so I, I agreed to her request to give her more time. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I think what would have been reasonable for me was to just say, I don't feel like I had a choice in that matter. I'm out. Mm. Yeah. But I didn't know how to communicate that. No. And, and this so whole relationship is based on a lack of knowledge in how to communicate. Absolutely. So, you know, falling back into that pattern of just feeling helpless and non-communicative would have just exacerbated everything yeah and so 
I gave him more time and then it happened again. And again, we were up until two or three in the morning talking about this. And I felt like I had no choice but to say no. And I think in hindsight, I had no choice but to say, okay, you can have more time because I was essentially just being out outlasted. Yeah. I didn't have the stamina to keep saying why I felt that this was not working. It's a the, siege mentality. The, yeah. You're, you're, you're locked up in that castle and your your supplies are dwindling, food uh, food roots, uh, supplies are cut, and she's outside, she's got all the ammo, she's just, it's just uh, th- hurling things at your, at your defences, yep, and you get broken yeah. down, broken down. Yep. The tragedy of this for me is that you're both just doing what your yes. love languages yes. <laughs> and instinct <laughs> are right. telling you to yep. do in a in a panic response and that nobody's really the bad guy here it's just a horrible miscommunicated situation it truly was um, and then we got to she'd asked until Valentine's Day. She would. She wanted us oh, to. No. Oh no, that's so rom com. Oh, Never have Valentine's Day as a deadline for anything in a relationship. Not just, not just yeah. the relationship deadline. Oh, like that's no. already a, a quite a. But, yeah, it, but you're setting yourself up for idea. the worst Valentine's Day yeah, of all but time. To, to pin it on Valentine's Day as well, oh. that's a twofer. It's not yeah, going to make it more rom commy if you suddenly change everything oh, because boy. it's Valentine's Day. Oh no. Yeah, and so we continued on for another sort of I think it's three weeks a month um, and we get to Valentine's Day and we'd said we'd do something low-key because you know Uh-oh. we're sort of just trying to make sure that things were she bought me yes. so many yes. gifts yep yep Bought me so many things who saw this coming ladies yep. and gentlemen hands up, hands up. Yep. all yep. of you at Everyone's home hands up Good. yep Oh, and dear. so I get her though. I so get her. I feel really upset. By <laughs> yeah, this. that's right. I'm not. I'm not against her. I'm like, yeah, fair enough. I, I, this is what I would. This is what young Liz would and did do. Oh boy. And so we get to February fifteenth <sighs> in the morning, and she's stayed over at mine, mm. and I have I have a gig in the mid afternoon, and I. I can feel it in the pit of my stomach. I know this this isn't working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I am regretting every part of me that said, let's wait until Valentine's Day. I am regretting this whole thing. And I'm faced with this, my, my girlfriend of uh, a year and a half, who uh, we've moved out of home at the same time. We were first adult partners together. And she is, I've woken up and she is lying there in my bed, uh, naked uh, surrounded by the gifts that she's given me <laughs> and knowing that I've got to end this oh, and oh, boy. she we get up and I don't want to you know do this as she's naked in my bed first thing up and you know I went and I got got us some breakfast and you know we talked for a bit and I was starting to get dressed and you know move around as if starting a regular day and she's not moving. She's still in bed. She's still naked. She's still there. And I asked if she was going to get dressed and she said, no, she was just going to wait until I got back from my gig. If she doesn't move, it can't be mm. over. (laughs) And so I have to say again, like, can, can you get dressed? And she's starting to realize what's happening and, 
and we start getting into this argument that is all about uh, the, and this is this argument about why I would do this while she was you know in my bed while she was naked while you're just trying after to remedy Day. this <laughs> and she is desperately asking for more time and in fact not just asking but demanding uh, and I'm there like looking at my looking at the clock knowing how long things have taken in the past and knowing that I I couldn't just not show up to this gig. Mm. Oh, I couldn't my just heart yeah, is so sore right now. Yeah, I've got both hands on the table just feeling like I'm oh sweaty this is and so clammy. painful. Oh, and so we start talking and, and I'm feeling so guilty about every single part of this which I now know was not my fault. Yeah, there no. was some poor judgment involved, but this was out of my control. Every single element that I was feeling guilty about in this moment. And this argument continues it keeps going it keeps getting louder and i'm not comfortable leaving leaving her in my house alone but at at this point i've got no choice i've got to go and so the last word out of my mouth as i am leaving for this gig is i am in tears and i she's asked for more time and i've just said fine and left the house and I'm going to take over. You are heading to the gig, and you're an absolute mental in mental anguish. And you're are you kicking yourself for why did I why did I say or, or are you absolutely yep? So you're already and you're I am already abusing yourself or well, kicking yourself for for saying fine. Yep. And I'm this whirlwind of of emotion, and I'm talking to my friends who I hadn't told about the previous breakups because, well, I told about the first one, and then I said we asked for more time, but I hadn't told them about the next because some part of me knew that it wasn't going to stick. Yeah. And so I, I was I was ashamed to sort of keep saying to them, oh, you know, it's going to end, and then it didn't. And so I finally talked to my best mates about this, one of whom hasn't really heard from me in about six months. There's that compartmentalization. Yep. yep. And I, I just realized I left out some stuff, but I'll get back to that. Um <laughs> if we've got the time but I am this whirlwind and I go to the gig I've turned off my phone I finish the gig and I've got this message from my anxiety sorry it's so high right now just imagining what's going to be on your phone okay go <laughs> I've got this message from Eleanor that says uh, something to the effect of and I don't have this phone anymore and I don't have the message uh, but I remember it was something to the effect of how dare you bring your friends into this oh. uh, how dare you bring your friends into this um, that, that's it it's done oh. because my oh. friends right. had called her up specifically one of my best mates uh, from high school that we still uh, still best mates now had messaged had messaged her and said how dare you keep doing this to him how dare you keep forcing wow. him to stay here. I'm sorry, that's a great friend. Okay, like, yeah. that Absolutely. is a good friend. And I feel awful for Eleanor, but that is some good friendship right there. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I'm sitting here in this sort of very uh, traditional brass band looking uniform with a trombone <laughs> and <laughs> doing everything I can not to 
just start weeping with relief oh. as I'm talking to my friends, as I'm talking to my mum, who's just found out from my other best mate who called her to check up on me to make sure I was okay. It's fucking great network of friends. Like oh, man. you get the you activate the phone tree, you call everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um and so you would hope this would be where it ends. Oh dear. You would hope this would be where it ends. And to be fair, it doesn't get any worse than that. Okay. Um, but there are a couple of sort of appendices to this that add a little bit, that change a little bit of the context and, and the effect it had on my life, which is to start with, she's still got the keys to my house. Ah, yes. Oh, dear. Um, and she's refused to give them back until she has got her stuff from my place, which is very reasonable. Okay. Um, and sort of I just... I hadn't cleaned up. I hadn't really organized anything there. Um, but in the end, while my housemates were out, she had come with a friend and her mum and packed up my room and any shared belongings we had and any of her stuff and left. Right. So she took uh, all the shared stuff. Yeah, including okay. like a, a quite an expensive comic collection that you know, she that's not she great. paid a little more than I had in that's this not collection. Great. No, you need to negotiate again. You need to yeah. communicate, mm. negotiate that shit. Um, and then, sort of, as I'm starting to finally deal with this and pack up and move on, I get more messages from her, and she's it's about six months on, and she's asking for just one last date, one last date because she's oh, never got no. that closure. Right. No, you will never get closure from seeing the person who you broke up with for a date again. That is opening a door. That's not closing it. That's right. And as I pry Liz down off the ceiling, <laughs> Tully, continue. <laughs> um, and so because she's still got this incredible power over me because I still feel this guilt for all of the things that have happened. All of I've, the everything, mm, yeah. I said yes, no. e- even though I was starting to see somebody else and oh. that actually really hurt her. Oh, yeah, that would have burned me too, yeah. absolutely. And it was not until this new, this prospective new partner had said, actually, I'm really uncomfortable with this, that I actually called it off. Yes, yes. There we go. Thank God. There we go. So now we're going to jump forward in time um, to five years later. Okay. Which is how long ago now, roughly? I'd say about a year ago now. Okay, Okay. cool. And I get a message out of the blue. Uh Uh-huh. That says, hey, sorry for, you know, showing up out of the blue. This is just, uh, you've popped up in my friend suggestions. And I had a quick look and I saw, you know, the comedy set that you did online and it really brought some light to my day. And I saw what had happened and she had some, you know, interesting stuff happen in her life. Um, some really horrible stuff happen, and it looked like she was reaching out in in need of something. Okay. And so we started talking, and we talked about what was going on. And in the end, she gave me a call, and we talked through what had happened. And I found out some really important details that I had forgotten or missed, or she'd never told me about. So. One of the things that showed up was showed up just how codependent we are was she remembered a time where I had, where she had actually tried to break up with me. Oh. And in the stress of uni, in the stress of all the things that was going on, when she went to talk to me, I don't think she ever 
said that she that we were breaking up. She said, "Hey, we need to talk about some stuff." And I'd said, "I'm not having the day for it now. Is not the time. I can't do it." Yeah. And practically locked myself in my room so that we didn't have to face this conversation. Yeah. Oh wow, that Gee. is an interesting point of view. Yeah, um, and I had completely forgotten this. Oh, um, and then came the real kicker was that for the last six months of our relationship she was actually hiding some quite severe injuries from me from her father oh shit and so she hadn't sought medical attention because she knew that this would be a physical sign of it she didn't want to tell me because she thought that I would uh, would report this Mm. and so for the last six months of this relationship, while all of this stuff is going down, while everything is happening, she has been she has had fractured shins Holy and fuck. has been living with the fact that this man has been still has custody of her little brother. Oh, oh Jesus Christ! Oh my God! Wow! Uh, what a thing to get! What news to get out of the like a, like five years down the track, you get this info. Yeah, I just, uh, I just got winded by that. That's, that's me too. I what a sucker punch. Oh my and god! And that is actually what inspired me to talk about this here because prior to this realization, what I had taken from this was this was a codependent, uh, I guess, um, coercive control relationship mm. to me. Right. And suddenly I've come to realize that this is a trauma response, that she's latching on to the the partnership she has outside of her family. Absolutely. And, oh, I just, like I've been saying from the start in this story, obviously, I see no bad guys in, in this. It's just the tragedy of the two of you at the wrong time with the wrong set of communication skills. Like, exactly. God, I wish that we teach high school students empathy and effective communication like there are the two things that I think that our young people need to know um, how to do in life is to, is to have tough conversations set boundaries and communicate effectively like the tragedy of this is that the communication could have solved That's almost right. every single one of the problems Just about everything I'm yes. sure I'm not the only one screaming that this relationship demands a redo with decent communication skills. Yeah. Imagine how it could have like been. Like if you had a sliding doors uh, moment, if uh, you had a sliding boy. doors moment, you may not be together still, but you would be, you could have gotten well, out of this. We may well be friends. Yeah, you could have gotten out of this, uh, a lot of strength from each other rather than continually, you know, adding to the stress of each other's lives unintentionally. Yeah. Wow. And the trauma that came from this relationship really affected my next relationship. And in fact, the one after that. Well, absolutely. Your first relationship hadn't set you up for everything. Mm, yep. Like, you know, you, you, that's where you learn to communicate that, or not, as the case may mm. be. And that's where you learn, you know, what your love languages are and how to display those. And if, you've, if you're butting heads with the other person you're with, it's, you're setting yourself up for bad patterns to repeat themselves. Yeah. So um, telling them... I'm sorry that it, that one relationship goes on to affect other relationships you've had. But what do you from this whole saga? If there is more to add, please do. But what 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 do you learn from this whole saga? I mean, we all seem to be. Uh, so, I've got this lovely little epilogue, um, which is to say, 
that I have learned quite a lot from this. Good. I learned that, and unfortunately, this was a lesson that I had to learn from the next relationship too. But I learned that once you have decided it's over, likely it's over. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Once, once, um, once there's any part of you that's come to that conclusion or decision, that's it's very rare that you can come back from that. It's just prolonging. I agree. And another part is that I am now in a, a lovely communicative relationship. And from what I can see and from what we've spoken about, so is she. Oh, Great. And the fact that you guys have talked about that yeah. and you're aware of what communication looks like to each other is so fucking healthy. And uh, Eleanor, I wish you all the best in, in this relationship. I know the previous relationship from this was a true nightmare. Um, and I'm glad you're out of that and into what I, what I see is a really positive one. And I'm with a partner now who does have uh, a lot of traumatic responses, who has a lot of uh, trauma responses to things as a factor of a past relationship. But we have been able to talk about this and we recognize each other's trauma triggers. And it is so important to know where your partner is coming from. Yes. Mm, absolutely. And to know that trauma and to understand when is the time to communicate and when is the time for sympathy and to hold back on those things. And so I guess what I've what I've learned is even if it feels like it's going to be a hard conversation, boundary setting and communicating those concerns is so important. It's so important. And honestly, I don't think I have any lessons to add. I think that, that you know, I've, I've peppered them throughout yes. this episode and I feel like Tully's just said all of the things that I was thinking. Like, as always, communicate. That's like, oh, we need to teach people effective communication from a very young age and that it's okay to speak up when your needs aren't being mm, met that's right. and that it's and then you you can't feel guilty for other people's behavior as well. I think that's a big important one for me. I know I just said I wasn't going to do lessons, but I just remembered I wanted to say that one. You can only feel guilty for things that you've done. You can't feel guilty for things that other people are doing. You've got to make sure that you know that your behavior is the only thing that you can control. And if other people's reactions and and behavior is making you feel guilt, then you need to communicate more and reassess. That's right. I'll, I'll quickly tack on. It's not really a lesson, but it is, it is interesting how Tully, when, you, when your relationship was finally over in the story and you said you had feelings of relief versus yeah. feelings of sadness... Normally, when you break up with someone, you're sad, you're distraught. Oh my god! But you, your relationship ended, and you felt relief. That's how and you that's, know. And uh, that's an interesting little uh, little difference in uh, when a relationship ends. I've <sighs> had one where I felt relief, relief yeah. like I thought oh, I'd be devastated, yeah. and then it was over. I was just like, oh, I feel really light now. That's a problem. <laughs> Gee whiz! Well, everybody at home, relax, uncurl your fingers and your yep, toes, and just. Oh, okay. Lower your shoulders, unclench your neck, unclench your jaw, <sighs> like take Back a your few knuckles, breaths. Do all that. Yep, so, yep. Tully, 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 what the... Thank you for the roller coaster <laughs> ride that was uh, your teen love life. Thank um, you for uh, indulging that and for 
again, having me on the show. Look, I really appreciate that story because I think it's got some incredibly valuable lessons for everybody. And again, that's what this podcast is all about, mm. is learning through trauma. That's right. So <laughs> thank you for sharing yours. Um, if you at home have a story that you would like to share with us, you can contact us at ghostsofboyfriendspast at gmail.com or go to thatsnotcanon.com forward slash ghostsofboyfriendspast and fill in our little form. Um, or just have a chat to us on social media if you've got a story you want to write in for a mini-sode because you can't quite, you know, bring yourself to, to put your voice to it. Um, Eleanor, if you're out there, I, I would adore having you on the podcast to hear mm. uh, uh, your side as well because I think it's incredibly valuable to hear from both sides in a relationship that – that um, you know, like like where you were coming from for your communication style and what what Tully was giving um, in in his on his side. I can't communicate anymore. I've lost all my words from that story. But I, okay. I we'd love to have you on. You've got an open invitation. Um, other Tom, than that, any rate, other words? Re- rate, review, share our little show. Uh, I'm sure someone out in the universe who hasn't heard us yet will get something out of these stories. Uh, yes. So we appreciate that. Otherwise, keep dating. We need, you know, keep, we need your stories. Keep so keep trying. putting yourself on the line for the sake Team of storytelling. That's right. Thank <laughs> you, Team Tully. love sucks. How dare you? <laughs> All right. Thanks, Tully. Until next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There are known knowns, known unknowns, and unknown unknowns. But there are also unknown knowns. The ancient and esoteric order of the Jackalope is a secret society devoted to unearthing and sharing this forgotten knowledge. Each episode, we take one of these strange stories and share it with you. No topic is off limits, except for the obvious. Available wherever fine podcasts are sold.